Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good Monday morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. I appreciate you taking the time out today. And I want to say thank you for those that were able to come out and bowl with me on my birthday. Had a good time, really did. Just got a chance to kind of unwind for a minute. So um, really appreciate that and appreciate the cards and well wishes and gifts. Thank you very, very much. And now it's time to get back to the real world. So anyway, uh, we did not get a chance to talk uh, about the economy on Friday, so we're going to do that today. We have Paul V. Shelton of Warwickshire with us today. Good morning. How are you, sir? Who knew? That does not sound good. Um all right. Well, we hope to have him on soon. But in the meantime, uh, congratulations to Queen B, Beyonce, making Grammy history, um, the most awarded artist in Grammy history. She received four more rewards on Sunday. Uh, good for her. And uh, keep up the good work, being innovative and, um, you know, crossing, crossing boundaries. You know, that because you can't do that kind of stuff sometimes unless you are crossing those boundaries. So um, good for her. Uh, and also, too, and did anybody, I, I kind of want to get some opinions on the whole, uh, whole Chinese balloon thing and, and get your take on that. So if you've got uh, any comments on that, the number is 516-387-1944. Um, I guess my concern is if you knew what it was or had concerns about what it was when it um, left international waters and got into the waters near the shore or, you know, or left as soon as it entered U.S. airspace, why were any, I guess, divertive tactics being done at that point? Why wait till it, you know, gets days over the country and then decide to do something about that. And if you know who it is, why not, uh, you know, I'm not, when I say, I'm going to say confront, but I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean saying, you know, hey, what's the deal? Why is this happening? You know, um, and, and, or did they get advanced permission to fly the balloon over the United States? So that is one of the things that I guess I thought was interesting when I found out about it is like, Okay, why why wait? Um, if you think this is a spy balloon, you know, uh, and what kind of technology do you think that is in the spy balloon? Uh, do you felt did you feel that it was non-threatening prior to you know getting here? Had you been tracking it prior to getting over U.S. soil? I don't know. I just have a lot of questions about that and how it was handled. You know, especially if, there, if there's some sort of threat being posed. I think I want to ask um, my uh, friend, I wanted to ask him to come back anyway, um, Dr. Harvey Kushner, to come on the show to talk a little bit about that and any other possible, I guess you could say, spy or terrorism threats uh, in 2023. So I, I'm going to have him on soon. But anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. The number is 516-387-1944 uh, if you have comments or questions. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. 
Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning and welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Um, we're going to also have Paul Najir, I mean, excuse me, Jabir Najir on during the show to talk about an update in um, the housing market with regards to mortgages. But in the meantime, like I said, if you have uh, comments, questions, or whatever, the number is 516-387-1944. Interesting to me is uh, there's been several uh, closures. Uh, It looks like we're in that retail apocalypse apocalypse again uh, with uh, Bed Bath & Beyond closing stores, uh, seeing some other stores possibly possibly closing. and then in addition to that, uh, some of the existing businesses cutting jobs. Uh, Dell, uh, according to the LinkedIn Daily Rundown, I saw a headline that says they plan on cutting 6,650 jobs globally. Um, and, and I wonder how much of that has to do with the pe- people deciding to stay and work from home. I know there are some businesses that are saying, okay, enough of this. You need to come back into work, and people are saying, um, I don't think so. And it's just this back and forth now where employees, you know, in, in a lot of cases, rightfully so, are finding themselves more empowered to say, you know, no, I, that's not acceptable. Uh, currently, right now, we're going through a back and forth with Disney and its employees where, you know, Disney wants to offer, you know, a, a gradual increase. Uh, in salary for the workers over a period of about five years, and uh, the workers are saying, no, we we want what we want. We want it right now. We don't want to drag it out. They want a $3 increase, and they want it now, and they want a three-year contract. So um, what does that do, though, to to the industry itself? Does it um, make it where it's a hostile work environment when the workers do go back and show up uh, for work. You know what? What other things they may give you what you you're asking for, but like my mom used to always say, "Be careful what you ask for. You may just get it. Um, you just never know." So, uh, just give me your thoughts and opinions. The number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. Um, you know, I would hate to say, "Yeah, I got my raise," and I go back and you know they shove me in a broom closet to work. Uh, you know, you, those you got to make sure that whatever you asking for, that you're not losing something else that's kind of valuable in the process. So, anyway, I don't know. And I guess I I would like to hear from anybody that may be going through that right now. If there's anybody out there working for Disney, I, I mean, I know there's only so much you can talk about, but you know, there may be something that uh, you want to share that you can share about the situation. So would love to hear just a variety of points of view right now. So anyway, um, I'm still checking for Paul. And in the meantime, trying to see if I want to see if I can get Jabir on a little earlier to talk about uh, the housing market with respect to uh, the mortgages right now. So uh, checking on that as well. Um, so I'm going to try to see Princess are you there well, No, Princess never mind Princess is busy on Mondays I, so I know that so let me check and see what's going on with uh, Paul and see if I can get uh, Jabir to come on a little early 
The number is 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour. Going to take another break. I've never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. I am so sorry that um, I've taken these couple of breaks, just trying to get things together um, and just had an unexpected hiccup, but that's okay. We go forward as we always try to do. Um, tax time is here and wanted to make sure that you all are getting your stuff together. I did not bring a tax expert on this. Usually I try to get them on in December, um, but one of the things that I read somewhere, I'm going to see if I can try to find that out, um, find that. Um, Talk about, I read something recently about um, it seems that lower income people tend to get audited a little bit more. Uh, well, I tell you what, instead of that, there's another article that I just saw. It says, um, don't risk a tax audit. This came out on Friday. This they have. Um, this is on CNBC. Uh, four reasons the IRS may flag your return. Um, so uh, something you might want to, to take, a, you know, take a look at when you're preparing for your taxes. Uh, one, is, one reason is excessive credits or deductions compared to income. And, and this, according to this, it says, for example, if your return may get flagged if you made $100,000 and claimed $70,000 in charitable de- deductions, uh, they're going to really take a look at how you're able to give away $70,000, um, and especially with this economy, and live off of $30,000. Are you in a situation where your home is paid off? Are your uh, automobile expenses uh, paid off other than uh, maintenance? Um, what, you know, are your you, your regular monthly expenditures look like? Um, because if you break that, you know, you take away that thirty thousand, excuse me, seventy thousand dollars in charitable charitable deductions, and you uh, break that remaining thirty thousand dollars down, that's approximately I want to say twenty four thousand. I mean, excuse me, twenty four hundred, twenty nine hundred dollars a month possibly that you're living off of, and you've got to know that that's going to go pretty quickly. So just watch uh, when you're claiming your deductions, make sure that you can back that up. Um, the other thing in this uh, article that they talked about uh, that could be a red flag is missing income. Your return must reflect what has been reported by employers and financial institutions, according to this article, such as a Form 1099-NEC for contract work or Form 1099-B for investment earnings. Wait to file until you have all your documentation in hand and check to see what you enter, that what you entered matches what's on the forms. Now, one of the issues that I used to have is that um, my credit union would not send my statement for um, any of my uh, earnings until April. 
So it may be a situation where you have to contact your financial institution and say, I can't wait till April to file my taxes uh, or don't want to wait till April to file, file the taxes. If they have the investment earnings or whatever your, you know, if it's your banking institution, if it's, you know, where you do your investments, if they have that information, um, you know, on hand, they need to give it to you. And if they, they don't, they need to, um, you know, you need to find out why. And if it's going to put you in jeopardy for filing late, you know, see if there's some, I would ask, you know, is there any way that they can compensate you for being, you know, having to file late or having to go back and refile and add that in? So, you know, but the, the thing is you don't want to be penalized for someone else's um, negligence for getting the information in. So just, you know, check on your, uh, like they said, Form 1099-NEC for contract work or Form 1099-B for investment earnings. So um, careful with that. Uh, according to this article, refundable credits, the IRS also reviews refundable tax credits more carefully since filers can still receive the tax credit with zero balance due. Um, according to this, it says, while overall audits have you know, declined, um, drop is lower for filers claiming the earned income tax credit, a tax break for lower to moderate earners which has contributed, this is probably what I was looking at, contributed to higher audit rates among um, African, black Americans, African Americans. Uh, so that's probably what I heard. It, yeah, in case I clicked on and went to this other article. The IRS is about three to five times more likely to audit black Americans' tax returns, according to this study. Um, black Americans, roughly three to five more times likely to face an IRS er um, audit than other taxpayers, according to the study. The study shows the disparity, the disparity stems from a faulty software algorithm used by the agency to pick who gets audited. Um, according to this, it says the Treasury Department says equitable enforcement of our tax laws is a top priority for the administration, and in Inflation Reduction Act funds will help upgrade technology and hire top talent. So uh, that's just FYI, and I'm going to post this on the G Power Hour Facebook page. But I thought I heard something the other day about um, being audited, uh, more likely to be audited, which is unfortunate. Uh, you're already <laughs> fighting a battle having lower income than anybody else anyway. Um Let's see. Oh, and then the last thing on this uh, a red flag possibly is round numbers. It says deductions with rounded expenses may raise eyebrows. Um, according to uh, Preeti Shah, who is a certified financial planner and CPA uh, um, in New Jersey. And she says, for example, um, if a business owner lists exactly $5,000 for advertising, $3,000 for legal expenses, and $2,000 for support, the IRS knows you're just winging it. Uh, so, um, And so it has some things about how to protect yourself from a possible audit. Um, it says the best protection is to stay organized by saving receipts and records to show proof if needed. Um, you're guilty until proven innocent, um, it says. And so one of the things I think that kind of helps and hurts at the same time when they're talking about receipts is a lot of times now when we, I know, for example, when I go shopping, um, you know, and they ask number one, a lot of times some places don't even ask you whether or not you want a receipt. And then those that ask you whether or not you want a receipt, they want to know if you want to, want them to print it or you want it sent to them. And then if they don't ask you for a receipt and you ask them half the time, uh, my husband and I have been out a couple of times where we say, well, uh, we're out of paper or the machine's not working. Um, so what I would suggest in that case, and I know it's kind of hard if you're in, let's say, uh, and I don't know for whatever reason you might need to keep the receipt, but let's say you're in a fast food restaurant drive through or something like that, and they say, well, we don't have paper or we or the machine's not working. 
get them, even if you have to stop the car and go in, get them to write you a receipt. If it's something that you really need, if it's something that you don't really need and you're willing to go without it, it's fine. But just remember that because you you may say, well, it's going to show up uh, if I'm using a debit card, a credit card, it's going to show up on my statement. The problem with that is that you don't get an itemized, uh, you know, account of what you've actually spent. So it's not going to tell you you spent X amount. And if you have something where part of it is uh, something that's deductible and part of it isn't, you know you can't claim the whole amount. So you're going to have to get an itemized receipt to show what is claimable and what isn't. So just make sure that you get receipts. And then, I, like I said, it's easy now. It's so easy to shop and get the receipt sent to you. Just make sure maybe that, you, you know, you're filing it as you go. Maybe if you don't do it every day, once a week, once a month, go back through your emails you know, did I purchase something that I really need to uh, claim or write off at Publix? Because I get my receipts from there. Sam's Gas is another one. I get my receipts either email or texted, you know, or it's on their website and you've got to go and download it. Don't wait. I mean, I know right now you kind of have to do it for tax season, but as we go along in 2023 and you're making your resolutions, about what you can and cannot, you know, what you need and you don't need um, and what you should do better and, you you know, you want to improve upon, it would be a good time to go do a weekly or a monthly uh, assessment of the things that you've gotten on an email receipt or a texted receipt or in someone's um, database of your, you know, that has your history of purchases and see what it is, put it in a, in a uh, electronic folder for tax time for next year. So um, you have comments, questions, numbers 516-387-1944. Uh, going to take another break. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. And we'll G, right your guest back. is on. Oh, okay, which one? Hello. <laughs> I'm not going to take a break then. Jabir, are you there? Hey, yes, yes, yes. How are you doing today? Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you, and thanks for being on. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the Fed's going up again. Uh, is this going to be, from your perspective, <laughs> a regular thing or, or with the having to monitor whether or not the feds are going to go up on the interest rates and how does that affect the mortgage industry and people trying to get financing for their homes or refinancing? So, right, right. So the feds control, um, so the fed, the fed rate for the most part is what controls what the cost of, Bar, banks borrow from from banks, so of course it trickles down to the uh, to the consumer. Now, when it comes to the interest rates, it's kind of indirectly tied to the Fed rate. But I, I guess you could, I would say, the better thing to look at is the ten-year bond. And not saying that it's tied to the hip when it comes to ten-year bond, but the ten-year bond and the um, and the uh, Fed Fed funds rate kind of interact with each other. So to answer your question in regards to where things are going to go in regards in the future with the Fed, they are expecting to continue to increase rates. The last time they increased rates back at the end of the last year was a half a point. Keep in mind, for the last before then, for the last few Fed increases, they were going up um, three quarters of a point, 0.75, which was very, very aggressive. So in December, they, they increased it a half a point. January they didn't meet, but February uh, last Wednesday um, they met and they increased at a quarter of a point. So the markets are a little happy because they're saying, "Hey, listen, you know they're they're not as aggressive, which means that we may be coming closer to no Fed rate hikes or possibly Fed cutting the rates." Uh, according to Powell, he said that um, you know there's still work to be done, so you know he's not going to. Say that they're going to start cutting rates if they see that the market cannot handle it. 
they will cut rates, but, you know, right now there's no plan to cut rates in 2023. So it all really comes back down to what we spoke about before and is that they're trying to slow down the increase in, in, um, in the increase in prices with, with housing, food, gas, uh, energy, um, there's no secret anywhere at this point. Maybe uh, a couple pockets maybe would hide from it earlier uh, in the year, in 2021 and 2022. But across the board, expenses have increased for everybody. So uh, they're trying to bring that down, and the way to bring that down is to have people stop spending. Okay. So I'm going to venture to say, though, people are going to spend – I don't, I don't, I'm just not seeing where this, I, it's going to work. I mean, people are going to spend what they want or need to spend. If you need food, people are going to spend money on food. You know, the, the, they might have to buy, let's say, not the name brand products. Maybe they buy more generic stuff. But, I mean, if you've got to feed a family of four, how are you not going to buy food? How are you not going to buy oh. Clothing. How are you not going to buy gas? How are you not going to pay the mortgage? Right. So we're trying to get back down to the basic necessities. So, yes, you have to buy food. You have to uh, put gas in your car to, you know, go to work, bring the kids to school. Uh, But what they're trying to do is reduce the amount of gas you're buying to take trips uh, across the country just for leisure, for example. And when you buy clothes, can we stay to the basics and, you know, during the recession, uh, during um, COVID 2020 to 2021, I mean, some of the things that were flying off the shelves were, you know, the Gucci, the Louis Vuitton. And even if you weren't buying Gucci and Louis Vuitton, I think uh, the owner, I forgot the name of the owner of, uh, of that brand that owns like Moet and everything, but he became like one of the richest people in the world during COVID because the government threw so much money into the economy, and instead of people, you know, um, buying the necessities, they're like, oh, wow, I have free money in my account. I'm going to buy all the stuff that I couldn't, I couldn't purchase. That's mm-hmm. where, you know, whether you were thinking about buying a boat last month or not, all of a sudden you had extra money in your, in your pocket. Anything that had to do with luxury, you could not find in the United States in 2021 and 2022, from yachts, mm-hmm. Lamborghinis. And I know that everybody listening may not have been buying Lamborghinis, but maybe you're looking at a Honda and now you moved up to a Lexus. You're looking at a Lexus and now you look moving up to a Benz. So everybody increased their spending. Now when you go out, you're spending more money on alcohol, more money on going out to just entertainment in general. And mm-hmm. that's what And we saw it where last year, um, and uh, really in 2021, in the beginning of last year, where you know, somebody would have a home up for sale and it's selling for four hundred thousand. But if mm-hmm. you, even though it was listed for four hundred thousand, it was disrespectful for you to go to that seller and say, "Hey, I'd like to buy a home for four hundred thousand. Like, how could you not offer at least twenty thousand above what it's worth?" And we mm-hmm. saw that happening so much where somebody somebody would purchase a home that was four hundred thousand, and uh, the appraisal would come in at three fifty, and the, and the buyer's like, "No problem, I'll pay the extra fifty thousand above." And we saw that across the board. And sellers and sellers are saying, "Hey, I don't care if my house is worth three fifty. I want four hundred thousand. If you don't buy it, somebody else will." And that's really how we came across these homes that were two hundred fifty thousand two years ago, selling for four hundred thousand in a year and a half. Um, so right. There was something we... recently that talked about um, artificially inflated. Um, home prices, um, and I, I think I want to say um, Orlando was one of those places in Deltona where they talked about um, artificially inflated. You know that the the the, the, the real value wasn't there, uh, although the price said it was. You know. Yeah. So. You know, there's ways that they actually look into this, uh, what homes are actually valued at, not only how many people are in a, um, in a, um, in a certain region, but also what's the average income for, the, for people in a certain region. So they have um, um, a price-to-earnings ratio, and mm-hmm. what they found is that the, some of these houses actually double where what the, based on the earnings 
for a family in a certain region, the prices in certain areas are double, and sometimes if it's not double, it may be 50% or 60% higher than what it should be worth for people that live in a certain area. So, yes, mm-hmm. of course, if you go to California, uh, San Francisco, and you buy, you know, a 2,000-square-foot home, yes, the home may be, you know, $800,000 is the cheapest house you could find, but also in San Fran, you know, the minimum wage would probably still have you at $100,000 per year. So it, it, it makes sense in San Francisco um, where – I'm not talking about the national minimum wage, uh, but I'm saying the minimum that people make in San Fran compared to mm-hmm. some Orlando where, yes, the minimum people are making in Orlando is not 100000 so the home should not be that high. It's based on what the income is for that area. And, um, yes, I, I do know that people move from all over the country into certain areas. I mean, Boise, Idaho – it probably had the worst out in the whole country where people are moving from San Fran to Idaho and mm-hmm. their market was like doubling every year for the last two years. And um, now you're starting to see where the prices are decreasing. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, just to go back to what you're saying, um, you know, there's so much money, companies got so much money. So, you know, you hear, especially in these higher paid jobs where people are getting paid, six figures and they're going in and asking managers, hey, I need a 20% raise or else I'm going to go to the competitor. And, and the managers are like, hey, well, if we let you go, we don't know where we could find another team leader, you know, uh, super, whatever that regional director may be. So we'll give mm-hmm. you the 20% increase, which is like crazy. People are asking, people don't only ask for 20% increases on salary and get it, but it's, it's, not, it's something that wasn't unheard of over the last two years. On yeah. the flip side, um, but those I wanted, people are I starting to, go back. to lose jobs. Okay. Oh, yeah, I wanted to go back though to something that you mentioned about COVID and people spending money. I don't know if I'm, I'm sure part of it might have been, oh, I've got you know this extra money coming in. But I think also too was a lot with COVID was a lot of people seeing other people losing their lives during you know the height of COVID and saying. Life's short, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Uh, I actually want to do something that I actually want to do versus something I have to do, and therefore they were spending some, the money. I, I, just, I think in just some cases it was some of that going on rather than I just got this windfall. It's like, you know, I, and then you had people also, some good things in a way, some people were using the money to start businesses. Yes, so that's that's the other thing. So it it, it is a big, um, I guess, pot of a lot of factors that went into it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you do have those who are like, you know, life is short, you know, tomorrow's a promise, I'm just going to spend it, you know, because I may not be here tomorrow. So there, and then you do have those who, yes, they did use the money to start businesses. And that's the other thing that, during that time, you have people who have no business experience that just took off and did very well in business. And it wasn't necessarily that um, they're very great. And I'm, I'm not knocking anybody who's listening right now. But it wasn't that they're just, you know, they're just business geniuses all of a sudden. It's just that there's so much money going around that everybody has money, you know, whether you're starting a bakery, a clothing store, whatever it may be, when everybody has extra money to spend, it's, easier to be successful in business because people aren't watching their money as much. So that's where, you know, you'll, you know, I was watching something on YouTube the other day and this guy was talking about all the stuff that he bought over the last however many years. Um, and he hasn't returned them. And the thing is that when you have extra money and you buy something like, Oh, I don't like, it, I'm going to return it tomorrow. And mm. you know, tomorrow turns into a week and a week turns into a year. You're like, Oh wow. Look, I have X amount of thousands of dollars of extra stuff that I forgot to return. I'm just going to give them away or donate it. I think that whenever all that extra money is not flowing around and somebody's starting a new business, you're kind of, you may actually take that extra step and say, you know, let me do a little bit more research on this before I invest in this service. Or maybe if it's a, um, a product or something, you may say, you know what, I don't need an extra, you know, whatever for the kitchen or whatever, you know, extra shoes or whatever. So, I think that whenever the money's tighter, even those who start a business may actually see um, 
may, may see that things are starting to tighten up. Uh, and I'm just thinking about many different stories. That, that's what that little hesitation was, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's this lady who she has a business and she in a subscription business, and she had a, uh, a special where if you bought a year one time, you get like a 20% discount. All these people, you know, decided to take the 20% discount by buying a one-year membership instead of paying monthly. So she had mm-hmm. like a lot of huge dump of money in her account in a short mm-hmm. period of time. And then what did she do? Instead of using that money to reinvest in the business, not knowing that she didn't actually earn that income yet because these people pay for the service a year in advance, she right. went out, bought a, bought a new, a new car cash, um, expensive car cash, put a huge down payment on the house where that money should have actually been put back into the business to to reinvest and grow the business because you actually literally got money that you did not earn. Um, right. So I think that, you know, you're going to run into a lot of these issues over the next um, possibly year. And you're starting to see that where Apple, uh, Dell, uh, if it's a big company, just look down the list of anything in your house as a big company, and I could probably guarantee you that they've actually had thousands of layoffs in the last 60 days. Uh, Dell just announced 6,000 people got laid off. Yes. Right. So it, it, it's coming because these companies are starting to see where, you know, you may hear, okay, Apple made X amount of billions of dollars in, and even for smaller companies, X amount of millions of dollars of profit. And you may be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they're still profitable. But if if you made $25 million in profit the year before and now it's down to $18 million, you may be, and you look into projections and you're seeing that things are maybe, uh, you know, $9 million next year. Yes, $9 million is still profitable, but you're starting to see the profits uh, decline. And that's what these big companies are seeing. They're seeing profits starting to decline. They're still profitable, but they're declining. And they're saying, hey, well, how do we stop the bleeding? Well, you know, this manager that we're paying X amount of dollars, you know, that, that, that salary, he's at, we're actually paying them 40% too much. So we could fire this manager and put somebody else in there that's, you know, that's younger, ambitious, and is going to be with the company for a while, and we could pay them 40% less. So, um, yeah, we're going to see a lot of that, and that's going to trickle down to the housing market. So speaking of the housing market, uh, I'm seeing uh, articles where it shows that some people think that the housing market is softening up. Uh, you know, the prices are either declining or they're not necessarily holding as firm. Or the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, are you finding um, that there are being, there's being more asked of sellers now in terms of concessions um, when you see these, uh, these, these agreements coming across your desk? Uh, yes. So definitely seeing a lot more sellers that are open to paying closing costs. And I think that's going to increase over the next, you know, especially going to the next, the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's because some of these houses are sitting a little bit longer. Uh, I am seeing, um, you know, and this is, I don't have access to the MLS, but, you know, based on certain areas, I may just kind of search on certain areas, whether it's in Florida or even other states, and you start to see the, the price cuts. Um, you're starting to see the five ten thousand 10000 price cuts, $25,000 price cuts which is letting me know that these sellers are saying, hey, I'm I'm now accepting the fact that we're not in the market where I can expect a buyer to buy my home above the value of the home. But not only that, if they buy actually at the value, I may actually give them a little bit of incentive in order to help move the house. If not, I could pay another mortgage payment and wait for another buyer next month, which is not guaranteed. Um, So you start to see that. I'm not going to say that all sellers are going to pay all closing costs, but you're starting to see where they're starting to work with the buyers a little bit more. Okay. All right. So what are you requiring these days in terms of uh, what a buyer should bring to the table, Um, you know, even if they are in a situation where they're able to get down payment assistance? Uh, what are you suggesting that buyers bring to the table and why? Um, well, the, the biggest thing that I would say is credit because these interest rates are, you know, whenever interest rates are a lot lower, you know, 
if you had great credit 2.75, you didn't have such great credit 3.5, 3.75. I remember people would would say, why so high <laughs> back then? Mm-hmm. Um, but now where rates are higher and that rate, you know, you know, even though rates have dipped down into the high fives for um, conventional uh, and, and depending on the day, maybe low sixes, maybe you don't have such great credit. Now you may be in the sevens and that, that house payment is a lot, a lot more. So, if you're FHA, I would say at least a 640 score, uh, conventional 680 score. Um, of course, the higher the better. So if you have a 700 score, even better. But you start to see the breaks with conventional with 680 and with uh, FHA with a, with a 640. So the first thing to do is work on that credit, but also bring those credit card debts down. Um, one thing is DTI because rates are higher and prices are still higher. I know I just mentioned that. We're seeing sellers uh, work with buyers a little bit more. This isn't that you could come in and offer sellers 50% of the value. So, I, And I say that because I've heard a couple people say that that's what they're going to do, and I'm like, oh, we're not at that point right now. Uh, it's just that it's a little bit more of a, a fair playing ground. So, you know, prices are still higher and rates are higher, so you want to make sure that loans. So go ahead and pay down those credit card debts and stop using the credit cards if you can. Secondly, uh, or third, uh, would be the last two months of bank statements. Make sure you have those funds in your account. If you have a lot of these small debts that I know you see a lot more now, the Affirm, the, uh, I can't think of the other one that's the um, Affirm, Klarna, Klarna, I heard um, I heard of one called Klarna. Klarna, right? Have you seen? Yeah, so okay. Those those buy here, uh, buy now, pay later. Um, even though it may not show up in your credit report, when the underwriter sees that money coming out of your account, they look at it as another debt, or it's not that they look at it. It is another liability that you have that's not reporting your credit report. So once they mm-hmm. see those debts coming out, they're going to add that into your DTI. And in most cases, it may not be a problem because for the most part, a lot of those I see are, you know, $25, you know, $30 is not. But I have seen a couple, a handful where somebody may have a bunch of those accounts, and now they're paying an extra three, $400 a month in those uh, mm-hmm. Klarna firm uh, payments and it's thrown off their DTI. So, and that's another reason why I like to get all those documents ahead of, you know, ahead of time. I have clients that, you know, may want the pre-approval letter, but they're going to get the bank payments to me next week. And then when we see the bank payments, I'm like, wow, there's $400 extra coming out of your account that we didn't account for, so we can't mm-hmm. approve you for that dollar amount we spoke about. Either you have to pay off these debts or we have to lower the purchase price. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. Get, get, get those statements to us right away. Any large deposits, that money under the mattress, that money in the stock drawer that you are saving uh, for, for, for your down payment, Put in your account now because if you cannot source where that money came from, then it doesn't count. I don't care if the balance is ten thousand. If you go, mm-hmm. if you can't prove where nine thousand of that ten thousand of that large deposit came from, you have a thousand dollars. Now, if if your statements are over two months old and we don't see that deposit, I don't care if you put a million dollars in your account three months ago. I don't see it because the last two statements I have that million dollars is already in your account. So the the for a lot of the traditional mortgages, we're going to look at the last two months of bank statements. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll probably say to start, those would be the basics. Credit, um, paying off the debt, and the bank statements are going to be the biggest thing. If you're self-employed. So, so well, one, how long does it take from, from what you know to move the needle on getting the, that score up, for and, and how many points? For example, let's say you say I need to get my score up about eighty points. Just saying, uh, what do I need to do? Is it something that I need to pay off, or something that I need to pay on on a regular basis for and for how long to get those eighty points? Just right. throwing it so- out there. All right, no problem. So credit credit for everybody is different. So um, it's always it's always hard to say this is what you need to do to increase the score of 80 points because that may be true for you but not true for me because I, I may see. have other things going on in the credit. Um, but in general, I will say that you want to keep your, your debt-to-credit, not debt-to-income, but your debt-to-credit ratio 
around 30 to 35%, 35% max. Um, now, the debt to credit is the amount of debt in comparison to the amount of credit that that account has given you. And you can look at it per credit card or overall. So whenever your credit cards are maxed out, even if you've been paying those credit cards on time for the last 10 years, when it's maxed out, you're considered to be high risk according to the credit bureaus. Not according to us. According to the credit bureaus, you're considered to be high risk. So the credit score is actually lower. Whenever you're only using 30% of the limit of that credit card, you're considered to be financially stable. It doesn't show that you need all the credit of whatever somebody gives you. Um, so you're rewarded with a higher credit score. Now, I understand it may be hard for a lot of people to keep it below 30%, but I tell people whatever you, you could do, try your – if you can, try your best not to bring it above 50%. Definitely once you get above 70% of the limit, you're starting to see a negative negative um, um, report. It's starting, you're starting to see it negatively affect your credit report. So I have actually had clients where they had the cash in their account. I had them pay off their credit card, um, pay down their credit cards, and we have a credit simulator that will let them know how much the score should increase. And by paying down their credit cards, because they didn't have any collections, they just had high maxed out credit cards, I've seen the score mm-hmm. jump 100 points in 30 days. Um, now, that's not okay. for everybody, because some people may right. have maxed out credit cards, but they have uh, a couple collections and uh, maybe a late payment on a car loan. So by paying off those credit cards, they may only see an increase of 20 points because that late payment you had on your car last year still hurt your credit. Paying down your credit card doesn't erase the fact that you had that that late payment. Also, those collections, they actually report usually monthly or every other month. So even though you're paying down the credit cards, you have your on-time payment credit card payment, that collection is a bad debt. So even if you pay down the collection, you're just paying down a bad debt. There's no way to have a collection report as being something positive because you're making payments on it. It, it, it continues to hit your credit until it's paid off. So um, if you have any collections, and that's one of the things I know I mentioned before that always hurts me, even though it's not my credit, where I see mm-hmm. small, I get it, I get it for the collection that's thousands of dollars. Uh, you know, everybody's situation is different, but those $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 collections, but sometimes I see collections that are $50, $75. And if you're buying a home, uh, I'm assuming you have the $75. And I'm, I'm looking like, wow, this, this $75 is either preventing you from qualifying for a loan or now you're actually paying a much higher credit score, I mean, interest rate, because this collection has dinged your credit so much that the, the, the interest rate you qualify for is higher. So, you know, I've heard, mm. I, I hear it a lot where people like, oh, well, I'm not going to give those people the money. You know, they really got me, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, there's no way I'll ever pay them. I'm like, okay, this $100 that you don't want to pay them one time is going to cost you maybe $1,500 per year for the rest of the time you mm-hmm. have this mortgage. It makes no financial sense. And sometimes some people are saying, hey, they don't care. They're not going to give this big corporation that is not hurting for the $100 the hundred dollars, they just, you know, it, it's just like a pride thing or ego thing, and you know, I, I would just say don't, don't, don't punish yourself at the end because you're trying to punish another company by not giving them money that a collection. Try to negotiate a balance to be paid off. If you can't, sometimes you just have to just, just accept it and pay it off. Right. What about medical? How much is how much does that uh, play? Do, do you get any type of of leeway for having uh, medical uh, debt? Um, so, when it comes to a loan, the medical debts they don't affect you. Um, with when, when it comes to um, DTI, anything like that, medical debts, we don't count that against you. Now, um, when it comes to your credit score, yes, um, mm-hmm. it, it can affect your credit score. We do see uh, medical collections of, uh, of reports to the credit, credit bureau, and it can affect mm-hmm. I know that they're supposed to um, supposedly change something with how it actually impacts the credit score. I don't remember the details on that. Mm-hmm. Um but I know there's supposed to be changes, something on it, but if the medical collection reports to the credit bureau, um, then it will, it will affect your credit score. Now, 
let's just say you have a lot of solid credit. You have two car loans on your credit. You have a mortgage payment, credit cards, and all that stuff is paid on time, never had an issue, and you have a $500 collection, um, medical collection. There are times I still mm-hmm. see people in the 700s with the, with the medical collection because so much of their other stuff that's on their credit report is so strong mm-hmm. that a $500 collection, it doesn't really hurt them that, that much. But if you don't have a lot of stuff going on the, on the credit, then, yeah, that medical collection can, can be a pretty big hit. Okay. Yeah, good to know. Uh, because I know sometimes some of the medical stuff, uh, you know, there's a conflict between, uh, you know, your insurance and, you know, the facility that is, you know, supposed to be billing them and they're billing you, you know, and, and uh, or the insurance company is saying, well, no, we're not paying that for whatever reason, and you're kind of stuck, you know, so just was curious in terms of how, how big of a deal those those medical collections are because sometimes you, you're just kind of stuck in the middle until the issues get resolved. So. But anyway, so are, are you seeing any more, uh, an increase in any one type of uh, mortgage product versus um, the other right now? Uh, I was just curious about uh, with the you know, the price is still being high on um, some of the the houses that are out there in the market or even some of the houses that are out there in the market still needing kind of some work, uh, no matter how much they cost. Are are you seeing any type of increase in the uh, 203K or home-style loans? Um, Not an increase in the 203K or home-style. I will say that a lot of the alternative loan programs that we – uh, have talked about in the past, you're not seeing those as much. And those are the bank statement loans, uh, which require uh, a larger down payment. But the rates are also higher on those. So yeah, it's not uncommon, okay. yeah, it's not uncommon to see eights and nines on those products. Um, because keep in mind that those products are for those who couldn't really prove their income through the traditional route, pay stubs, bank um, W-2s, tax returns. We're just looking at a bunch of money going to your account saying, okay, well, looks like you make enough money, we'll give you the loan. So those are considered higher response for the for the for the bank because they don't really know they're not really going into detail in regards to what you're actually claiming as profit. They just see the money going in, so they say, Okay, enough money um that we will give you a loan. So now that the rates are higher for the traditional loans, the rates on these alternative loan pro- programs eight to nine, sometimes even ten percent. Uh, what we're looking at for those for those loan programs. So those programs, I've seen a sharp decline in those type of programs. Um, mm, okay. But FHA, the standard FHA and conventional tend to still be um, the two that are the most common. But I will say for anybody that's looking that don't, whenever you see a home that needs some repair, I know a lot of times, you know, you may look at the home and you can't see the end product. Mm-hmm. Look into a two or three K home style, some of the alternative rehab programs because you you could actually end up coming to a, a very great deal. Instead of buying a home at the value, you come into a home what once you fix it up and we give you the money to fix it up, you'd have to be able to see the end vision um mm-hmm. before it actually comes to you know, to life. You could run walk into a home with quite a bit of equity. So who who is it up to to find the the contractor ultimately? Is it up to the um, the buyer? Is it up to uh, the lender? Or who is it up to to? Because I know there's a certain amount when you're doing some of those loans, two or three k or home style that uh, the contractor I guess has to either have experience with. Uh, dealing with a 203K loan or, or have some sort of approval, is that correct or no? Yes, yes. So um, there's some paperwork the contractor has to has to um, provide. And it's better if they do have some experience. They don't have to have experience with 203K, but it's better if they do. But mm-hmm. they are going to look to make sure that they have been in business for a while, that they have uh, at least three references that they could actually confirm that they or that they did a good job on and that they ran, they were able to complete the job without any issues. Because you have to think about it, that once this, once the lender cuts the, the, the builder, or not the builder, but the, the contractor a check for $15,000, $20,000, and then 
yes, they're going to come back for the second half after the job is done, but they don't want the contractor to, number one, not be reputable, and all of a sudden you cannot find that contractor once they get a check. Number two, right. the, the contractor starts a job and says, hey, you know what? I was off by about $15,000. Now, the loan is already completed, <laughs> and you don't want to, you know, have to run into those issues. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so um, we're – I know, I know ahead, you did ask one question, uh, and I tell you didn't address that. Who's, who's responsible? So it is the buyer's responsibility. However, I know a lot of buyers are not aware of contractors. So if it's in a certain area, I could refer you a couple uh, contractors. I'm not telling you who to use, but you could talk to those contractors, see if you have mm-hmm. a good feeling with them, if, if if you guys are on the same page. If not, then that's fine. Um, but I, I, I don't mind helping uh, buyers, especially in certain areas already, I already know some contractors. In other areas, right. I'm just doing research just like they would do the research, but some buyers don't have time to do the research. So I may find two or three contractors, give a phone number, or I'll contact, contact the contractor just to make sure they are, they are able to do it and give the phone number to the buyer so the buyer can make, the, you know, ultimately the, the final decision. So we don't force you to choose a certain contractor. We just need them to be reputable and make sure they pass all the basics. Okay. And so do does the buyer, I mean, excuse me, does the contractor, for example, go to um, – FHA and say, hey, you know, I, I kind of want to be considered or is there like a certification process or anything for, for the contractor or they just have to have those references that you mentioned in place? Yes. Um, they just have to have the references in place. They don't have to be approved by FHA. Uh, the lender, uh, they actually have a, um, you know, their own internal um, uh approval department, so mm-hmm. they go through there, all the checks, the balances, the whole thing um, based on the – because the contractor does have to complete an application. And that's the one thing that, you know, we do confirm with the with the contractor ahead of time because there is some paperwork. If you hire your own contractor, they come to your house, they say, hey, I'll do this job for X amount of dollars, and you say, okay, great. You agree with it, agree on it, and they start the job, you give them the deposit. Whenever it comes mm-hmm. to the lender, there there is an application process for the actual contractor. It's usually about two to three pages, and then in regards, in in addition to the, uh, the application, they have to you know send in their licenses, all that all that kind of stuff, of course. But then when it comes to the quotes, the quotes they do require them to itemize a quote. So it's not just install carpet. No, we want to know what is the cost to take out the current carpet, dispose of the carpet, put new carpet in. Um, when you put the new carpet, are you going to have to remove the baseboard? What's the cost to remove the base? So a lot of contractors, they don't want to deal with it because they're like, I'm not going to itemize every single thing we do on the job. The mm-hmm. reason it's important for the, for, the, for the lenders is that if something falls apart any point in the, contra- in the construction phase, they're able to pinpoint mm-hmm. where things went wrong instead of saying, hey, you just said $20,000 for this job. We don't know if you went wrong, if things went wrong when it came to disposing of the materials or it came to labor or when it came to what you estimated the cost for the materials would be for the new, you know, pile. Right. And you do see the, that all the time on these home improvement shows where, you know, there's there's an estimate for one thing and then it ends up going um, over and above, but you have to kind of justify that too. So anyway, Jabir, yeah, um, how do, quickly, how do we get in contact with you? Yes, you can contact me by email at Jabir, J-A-B-I-R, at Ryajan, that's R-I-A-J-A-N.com. You can always contact me um, at 321-239-5814. And um, also make sure you follow me on, on social media, in, Instagram for tips, that's Jabir, J-A-B-I-R, underscore Najir, N-A-J-A-I-R. And make sure I get some great tips out to um the potential homeowners and current homeowners on a weekly basis. Okay. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. You have a good um, good month. I'll talk to you next month. Take care. That sounds good. All right, you too. Bye. Okay. And thanks to you all for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.